Hi, you are now listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. Today you will hear a sermon from Pastor Frank Pizor. So without further ado, here he is. Uh, it's been an interesting week uh, for me. I'm sure for some of you it also has been an interesting week. What I would like us to do is just to take about 60 to 90 seconds of silence. And I want to just open us up to... Just hearing the voice of God, and I know in 60 to 90 seconds, uh, you might not hear the most profound messages of all, but I just want to give you just a phrase that you can think through, because again, if you're like me, in that time period, you'll be thinking about all the things that you have to get done this week. So to prevent that, let's just go with the phrase, here I am. And that can mean a lot. It could be, here I am, Lord, I have open hands. Speak, I'm willing to listen. Uh, It could be, here I am and I ain't moving, (laughs) and you better do something, or this is it. Anywhere that you are on that spectrum is okay, but why don't we bow our heads, close our eyes, and just take a moment of silence and try to listen to what God may have to say before we start. Our Father in heaven, you do not want to hide from us. In fact, you speak to us. most obviously, might I say, through your word. But we want to hear something that really speaks to us directly. Some of us here may be in the middle of decisions or struggles or hurts, a whole vast variety of needs and problems that are facing us here as a community. We want to hear something specific. And so I pray today that you would open our ears to really just listen, not to me, um, in a sense, not even to the message, but to you, to hear you and what you want to say to us, because you are a God who speaks. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, I picked up a book uh, a few weeks ago by Priscilla Shire, uh, Hearing the Voice of God, and uh, I had a revelation Uh, It's a revelation that she had, and then it was a revelation that she passed on to me because I was like, wow, that totally makes sense. And to kind of give you an an example of of what I'm talking about, I I just want to illustrate it first and then show you what I mean by all of that. Fair enough? Okay, so I need a volunteer, and since Ben is sitting right here, don't ever, it's the key, (laughs) don't sit in front, brother, all I'm saying. Um, And you know what? how are you? I mean, I'm fine. It was a little bit of a rough week. Uh, our furnace went out on Tuesday. And uh, so on uh, Wednesday night before the guys came and fixed it on Thursday, uh, the house was about 52 degrees uh, in terms of temperature, four of us in one room with the space heater. So it wasn't too bad. It was kind of like a spring break thing, like we went on vacation to our cold and frigid home. And, uh, you know, it was, it was a good week. Anyway, so how are you? Okay, thanks. All right, now let me move on with the message. What you see there is what my prayer life is like. I don't have a problem praying. I have no problem talking to God. I have no problem talking at God. My problem is I have an issue of talking with God. That's a huge difference because the reality is I sit there and I tell Ben how my week is, and then conversation's over, bro. It doesn't matter what you had to say about your week. Your week is your week. It's not my week. I'm not worried about your week. I'm worried about mine. 
And when I pray, and I pray a lot, it's usually, God, I need this, or God, I'm upset about this, or God, I'm angry about that, and thank you very much for listening, but now I need to go. No room at all for listening. And so today, I want to look at the story of Jehoshaphat from Second Chronicles chapter 20, and I want us to see that listening really matters when we pray. Now, a few weeks ago, I gave this message at ICC, and I got through it in one shot. And uh, last week, I expanded it a little bit, and uh, I tried to get through Hope and uh, through Hope Church, where Pastor Jared is, and I just felt, nah, there's more here. So this week, um, it got so long, I have three messages. So if you have an hour and a half, get ready. We're going to go for a ride. Don't worry, I can't do that because I'm supposed to go somewhere else by 12. So I'm going to break it into three different weeks. But here we go. Here's the situation, the sit rep. I've never been in the army, but that's what they say. Hey, what's the sit rep? And uh, that is not me, by the way, but it is a picture of someone who is saying, hey, this is what's going on. This is the front lines. This is it. And this is what it says. After this, the armies of the Moabites, Ammonites, and some of the Meunites declared war on Jehoshaphat. Messengers came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army, a great multitude from Edom is marching against you from beyond the Dead Sea. <coughs> Excuse me. They are already at En Gedi. Jehoshaphat was shaken, alarmed, terrified by this news, and resolved with a sense of urgency to beg the Lord for guidance. He also ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting. So people from all the towns of Judah came to Jerusalem to seek the Lord's help. When they gathered together, Jehoshaphat stood before the community of Jews and Jerusalem in front of the new courtyard at the temple of the Lord. And he prayed, Oh, our God, won't you stop them? We are powerless against this vast, mighty army that is about to attack us. We don't know what to do, but we're looking to you for help. Now, before you understand the story, you have to understand the person. So if you notice these two little words at the beginning of chapter 20, they are, if you want to tell me, what would it be? Anybody, just interact with me. Shout it out. Josie, I know you want to say after this. I appreciate that. Yes, the two words that I want to look at are after this. What that means is something important happened before this. And that something important is found in the three previous chapters on the life of Jehoshaphat. And basically, it tells us that Jehoshaphat, I say Jehoshaphat, some people say Jehoshaphat, I'm sorry. Marcus, what's the real interpretation in Hebrew? Okay, so either one, it's going to work out. But in the midst of this, we learn that when he grew up, he was a godly man, but somewhere along the line, he kind of got lost. Maybe he went to college. You know, sometimes kids grow up, high school, everything's good. They go to college, and things change a little bit for them spiritually. And that could have been what happened to Jehoshaphat. And in this, what happens is he makes an alliance with the northern king, Ahab, bad guy. And the alliance is through marriage, and they're going off to war. And one day, they're sitting down around the table, and they're going, hey, uh, what do you think? Should we attack these guys or not? And so the king Ahab goes, you know what, let's get the prophets to come. So he invites all these prophets, and the prophets come, and they say, go, brother, go. You do it, man. You be you. This is yours. God is with us. We shall be victorious. It's wonderful. We are going to win. 
And the two kings are like, oh, something's a little fishy here. Why don't we ask one more guy? So they ask a true prophet of God who comes and he says, right on, bro. This is it, man. <clears throat> this is your time to shine. Go. And Ahab goes, you liar. <laughs> You're lying to me, man. You are lying to me. And so what happens? So the prophet says, you're right, I am lying. You go and you're going to die. <laughs> and there's going to be a lot of problems for you guys. And so what do Jehoshaphat and Ahab do? Anyone want to guess? What did they do? They went anyway. They said, you know what, we're going to go fight. They didn't say, hey, the prophet of God has spoken. He says, don't go, we're going to stay home, and we're just going to let it go. Instead, they go, eh. <coughs> God, shmad, let's go. They go. Now, Ahab's not stupid. In the middle of the battle, he goes, hey, uh, Jehoshaphat, dude, you wear your nice armor, okay, bro? And you'd like be the centerpiece of the attack, all right? You got it? Because you're going to get the glory from this. I think what Ahab was thinking was, man, if they're going to try and kill anybody, they're going to try and kill the king. I ain't getting in my kingly garb. If I get in my kingly garb, they're going to go for me. And what happens? In the middle of the battle, they all start going to Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat. And in the midst of that, Jehoshaphat cries out and says, ah, I'm going to die. God save me. And God does save him. And then the enemy goes, that's not the king. And some guy just walking around the battlefield does this number. Off goes an arrow. Boom, Ahab is dead. Now, why do I bring that story up? I bring that story up because I think that it tells us who this guy Jehoshaphat is. He is someone who loved God at a young age. Somehow he kind of moved away from God and got to this place where he was doing things that God did not want him to do. He stopped listening to God. God spoke to him directly, don't go to war. And he did anyway. He didn't listen. And because he didn't listen, he almost lost his life. When he returns in chapter 19, he starts a revival. So when we look at those two little words after this, it gives us a story of who this man is. Here is someone who learned a very clear lesson. When God speaks, listen. When God speaks, listen. And that's an important part of this. So what is the situation here ultimately? So what I need is I need three volunteers. Who Who do we think are some of the three of the biggest guys here in church at the moment? Ray, are you standing up because you're doing the video or you're just like, Because, bro, as soon as I said one of the biggest guys, you stood up and said, here I am. No? Okay, all right. Anybody? Who should come out? Some volunteers. Come on. Okay, Brian, you're one of the bigger guys here. Come on up. Drew, you're sitting up front, so you got to come up here, too. That's your punishment. And Linus, you're laughing at him, so you join him. All right, so... On this side there, bro, because you're, you're allies, okay? Here's our three bigger guys. Now, uh, do we have any young, you know, someone kind of young here? Who's the youngest youth group member? <laughs> Matthew. Okay, Matthew Yoon. Come on, Matthew, come up. I won't embarrass you too much. I will embarrass you, but not too much. That's the promise. It's the only thing I give you. All right, so I want you to, hear, I want you to understand the situation. One day in sixth grade after school, Matthew has decided to go for a walk. And unfortunately, in Rolling Meadows, formerly known as Rolling Ghettos, is (laughs) gone. Bro, come on, man. As he's walking down the alley by, uh, is it Mr. Taco that's over there? I think so. Yeah, Mr. Taco. 
walking down there, and he comes across three big guys. And they say to him, bro, give us your money. Or we're going to break every bone in your body. We're going to take it all. We are going to take everything that you have. It is over. You are done. You are toast. Now, with that picture in mind, who do you think is going to win the fight? <laughs> okay, well, I'm beginning to wonder if you're all doing drugs. <laughs> in reality, he's not going to win. It's not even going to be close. He's going to get wiped out. Thank you very much. You did a great job. Thanks, guys. Now we have a picture of that, all right? You didn't do anything but look handsome, Brian. <clears throat> That's our situation. This is what's going on. I mean, realistically, when you have this prayer and he says, oh, God, this vast, mighty army. In other words, they're big. There's a lot of guys coming to our city and they are going to destroy it. They're huge. We're powerless. We are powerless. And we don't know what to do. So that's kind of what our situation is. It gives us an idea of who this guy Jehoshaphat is. It gives us an idea of what his story is. And then we get his response. And I love his response. It says, he is shaken. I, I did the multiverse part here. He's shaken. He's alarmed. He's terrified. Okay? Now, if we went back to Matthew, even though you all think he's going to win, I know you're kidding me. You're giving me a hard time. But if he comes down an alley and sees three big guys asking for his money, trust me, he's not going to sit there and say, dudes, I have a black belt. Okay? Black belt or not, based on their size, it's still over. Okay, at this young age, maybe when he's a little bit older and he does the Bruce Lee thing like this, you know, and he gets ready. Okay, cool. But not now, not at this point. And that's his reaction. But what does he do then after that? He doesn't whine. He doesn't complain, but he resolved. It says he begged. He was determined. There was a sense of urgency in Jehoshaphat to come before God and say, God, we are in need. We're in trouble here. I mean, this is the absolute truth. It is not going to go well for us. We really need your help. And so instead of keeping this to himself, and we'll talk about this in a few weeks, he invites the community to come. And he says, listen, it's not me only who's in trouble here. It's all of us. We're all in trouble. And I, what, I, what I see in Jehoshaphat is this shepherd's heart that he really wants to care for his people. And so they all come together in their powerlessness to seek God and say, God, is it what will you do? What do you want to do? Which then leads us to how the people respond. Look at verses 12 and 13. Here's the prayer. Oh, our God, won't you stop them? We are powerless against this vast, mighty army that is about to attack us. We do not know what to do, but we are looking to you for help. As all the men of Judah stood, keyword stood, before the Lord with their little ones, wives, and children. Now, I wasn't there. I know that you think that I'm old, but I am not that old, all right? So I was not there, but here's what I think happened. And this is something that I get from a, a pastor named Ron Mel. He wrote a book. He wrote this book, and he took the uh, verse in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 1. I'm going to read it and then share a little bit more. It says, Habakkuk, after talking to God, saying, God, the Babylonians are coming. They're horrible, evil people. They're going to destroy everything. And I don't know what you're doing, but this is what I'm going to do. I will climb up to my watchtower and stand at my guard post. 
There I will wait to see what the Lord says and how he will answer my complaint. So what Pastor Mel said was this. The same word that stood, the people stood, is the same word that Habakkuk is saying. I will stand watch. I will stand guard. I will wait for God to speak to me. And so what he is saying is, when you look at that, what happened was, when the king finished his prayer, there was silence. Like, even right now, in a sense, silence. Nothing. Because he really didn't know what to do. I mean, he had options, right? If you look at his prayer later on in these verses, you'll see that he understood history. He could have said, hey, guys, God is great. And like Joshua before us, we are going to go out there and we are going to be outnumbered and yet we're still going to win. I'm all for that. Let's do it. He could have, that was an option. His second option was, you know what? It's a vast army, but let's just get our walls all set and let them lay siege and like Hezekiah, wait for God to deliver us in some way, shape, or form. This is really cool. God moves. He had those options. But he still, after he prays, says what? God, we are powerless. We really don't know what to do. They're stuck. They're stuck. They have no idea whatsoever because he has these plans. He has these options. Something could go right. Something could be perfect. And God's glory will be established. Wonderful. Awesome. Fantastic. And yet the guy still has the audacity to say, I have no idea as to what I should do. There's something I learned from this as I think about it. When we don't listen to God and we try to strategize our way through things, we interfere with what God wants to do in our lives. Catch this. We interfere with what God wants to do in our lives. If Jehoshaphat said, that's it, Joshua, let's go, he would have missed out on what God wanted to do even if they won. If he said, let's wait out the siege, he would have missed out on what God would have wanted them to do. So sometimes when we pray thinking we know what the answer is because we've thought about it for so long, God might very well have a different option and it allows him to work in his way and allow them to see God as God is in their time. It's not that God isn't the God of Joshua anymore. It's not that God isn't the God of Hezekiah anymore. He's still the same God but he's got something else that he wants to do. And this is really cool. Then God speaks. Let's look at verses 14 through 17. The spirit of the Lord came upon one of the men, the prophet standing there. His name was Jehaziel. He said, and this is cool, listen. All you people of Judah and Jerusalem, listen, King Jehoshaphat. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Because remember, he was alarmed. He was terrified. He was shaken. But do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged by this mighty army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. I mean, God's got more on this than they do. Tomorrow, march out against them. But you will not even need to fight. Take your positions. Then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you, O people of Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid and discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. Man, there's a lot of repetition there. If you ever read scripture and you see all that repetition, the basic line is God is saying, I know y'all are scared. 
Y'all are terrified. Don't be. Don't be. Several times, I am with you. God speaks, gave them clear direction. The odds of victory went from zero to 100. Absolute victory. And what did God ask them to do? Let me put it in modern parlance. This is what God asked the people to do. He said, y'all, gather up, go to this place, and then watch TV. That's what he said. Watch TV. You don't do anything. You don't have to fight. I will take care of it. You watch. You just watch. Binge. Netflix. I don't even know how, what you call that series or whatever it is. But he is out there telling them, go and do this. And God delivers them. Not through their own ways, thinking, or strategy, but through his. What happens? And I don't know how this works, but if we brought those three guys back up there, somehow one of them might say, hey, dude, I'm bigger than you. Don't mess with me. Back off, bro. And the other guy says, man, you might be bigger than me, but your mama ain't. Something like that. You know what I mean? So, sorry about that. It was a... <laughs> it's ancient pagans, man. I don't know. <laughs> That's how they used to talk back then, right? Chris, back me up on that, right? <laughs> okay, anyway, sorry. See, you can still be an elder. I, you know. Anyway, and suddenly these three enemies who had once had an alliance together are now fighting and they destroy one another. And what do the people see? They see God for who he is in that moment for them because they listened. They had options. They could have strategized, but instead they said, we are lost. We are powerless. We are doomed. They're scared. They're shaking. They're terrified. They're discouraged. If I'm Jehoshaphat, after all I've done over these last few years to see God move and bring God to the people and I get this, what's going on here? And God says, I'll tell you what's going on. You're going to see more of me because you didn't interfere with what I wanted to do in your lives, which is why it is so important for us to learn how to listen to God. Because in listening to God, you hear what his plan is, and he has a perspective and a wisdom that is beyond our own. Who would have actually thought that let's all dress up and go watch somebody else destroy themselves instead of us? Not even a thought. But it's what God had planned. And so when we see this, we see that it is really important for us to learn how to listen. Let me bring this to a little bit of a close here. Here's an application. Can we put up the application there for me? All right. There are two of them. You can read the first one if you want, but that's two weeks from now when I come back to this passage again and we look at it from another perspective. But what I want us to focus on is this one for this week. Whether your circumstances get really bad or not, in other words, if they get like Jehoshaphat or not, develop a habit of listening to God. Seriously, I'm serious here. Don't wait for life to get really bad to start listening to God when you pray. I did mention Joshua, Hezekiah, but I didn't mention Jeremiah and Zedekiah. You know why? Because when the Babylonians were coming, 
Jeremiah the prophet speaking for God said, Zedekiah, surrender. How do you like that one? Surrender. Give up, bro. It's over. It's done with. If you surrender, you shall prosper. Doesn't make sense, but that was what God was saying. Zedekiah said, that don't make sense, bro. We're going to fight. And in the end, he lost family and ended up in exile. Because he didn't listen. He didn't listen at all. I know better. He might have been expecting a Joshua. He might have been expecting a Hezekiah. Instead, what he got was a Zedekiah, which was destruction. Not worth it. It is important to learn how to listen to God. And don't wait until the tragedy or disaster comes, but learn how to do it now. You see, I think that Jehoshaphat was spirit-led. Spirit-led enough to realize, I don't know what to do, so I'm going to slow down, and I'm going to listen. Think of this. To be spirit-led, you must be scripture-fed. To be spirit-led, you must be scripture-fed. If you listen to Jehoshaphat's prayer, you will see that man knew God and he knew God's word. You'll see it. It's there. And that leading of the spirit allows him to actually stop and listen and say, what is it, God, that you want to do right now and in this instance? And that's the thing that we have to, because a lot of us, you know, I want to be led by God. I want to hear God's voice. I want to know what he wants me to do. But if we don't have the time, or we don't read his word, or we don't stop and listen, it's not going to happen. It would be nice if you're walking along, you face a situation, like Matthew faced that situation with these three bullies in the alley, and he says, oh, Lord, where's my dad? Because I'm faster than him, so I'll be safe because I'll get him. No, I'm just kidding, right? Is Peter here? Peter is here, right? Okay, he's not too insulted. We must learn how to listen to God. From the youngest to the oldest, to everybody in between. So I want to give you three tips. I'm going to finish with this. How do we learn how to listen to God? Number one, get into and reflect on God's word. You can't avoid it. I'm sorry, but if you want to be spirit-led, if you want God to lead you where you need to go, you need to get into Scripture. You need to understand God's Word because in that you see God and you see His heart. Until you do that, hearing God is not going to be the same. There won't be the same type of clarity. Number two, make silence a priority and a part of the time that you spend with God. You saw it between me and Ben. If you said, like, for instance, if we were good friends, would you say that we have a good relationship if I do all the talking, he does all the listening, and I never let him respond? That's not a good friendship. Could you imagine a marriage where you just kind of come up to your spouse and go, hey, I just wanted to let you know, we need some food. Go get it. Thank you. Why are you laughing? Because it seems funny, right? That's crazy. That doesn't happen if it does. Okay, we have to have a conversation afterwards. But when that happens, there's no relationship. God cannot lead those who are not in a relationship with him, especially if they won't listen. And Jehoshaphat would say, when I didn't listen, I almost died. 
It's not worth it. And I think, again, that's why Jehoshaphat was willing to say, I will stop now and listen, God, because if you ain't leading us, we're not going. Which sounds a lot like Moses. Because Moses said, you know what, God, if you aren't going with us, we're not going either. Because Moses, spirit-led, he was interacting with God. And the third thing, you have to do what God says. And I think Jehoshaphat learned that. Because in the first instance, when God said, don't go to war, he didn't listen and he almost died. And the next time when God said, don't go to war, just go watch TV, he listened and did nothing. Except enjoyed the fruit of God working in his life and in his people. So I'm just going to ask you a simple question. Looking at this story, and there's truckloads of stories throughout scripture of listening to God. Do you think it's worth it? Is it really worth it to just sit there and listen and say, like Samuel, here I am, God. I'm listening. Speak to me. Because God is a God who wants to reveal himself. God is a God who wants to speak to his people. God is a God who wants to direct his people. He doesn't want us to sit there in ignorance. There's a clarity that comes out of all this, and is that God speaks God speaks, and for those who are willing to listen, God will move. Now, in a variety of different ways, we'll look at that in a few different weeks, but I just want us to understand today, first and foremost, anything that you leave with, it is this. If you want to be spirit-led, you must be scripture-fed. Take the time and listen. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes. And I actually want to go back to silence. So I'm going to give you a prompt, and then I'm going to zip it. Go back to our phrase, here I am. Take a few minutes to just reflect on that and say, God, here I am. Here are my circumstances. Here's my situation. Speak to me. That's it. I'm going to walk away. Our worship team will come up in about a minute or so, and they'll start leading us in those songs, but but we'll work from there. Our Father in heaven, I think of Asbury College and the revival that the college experienced in February. And I think of all the cool things that are happening and going on there, and I ask the question, God, why not here? And I recognize in me a desire for that glory, but not yours. But I also recognize, why not here? And as I read your word, your answer is, Listen, call my people to listen to me. And I pray that we will learn how to listen. Because God, we desperately need you for all the things that are going on in the world that we live in, the experiences that we have in our church, the experiences in our own personal lives, whether it's work or home or our neighbors. There's a lot where we need you. So I would pray, Father, that we would get to this place 
recognize that when it comes to life in Christ, we are powerless without you. May we learn how to listen and follow your leading and see that all the work and strategizing and planning that we do, good that they are, does not compare to your simple leading. I can imagine that when Paul and Barnabas went to that prayer meeting after fasting, they weren't thinking that they're going to go on a missions trip afterwards. But you sent them because your spirit was leading them to go. And I pray for all of us here that we learn just the simplicity of listening to your voice. Father, forgive me for the way I pray. It's all about me, not listening to you. We have done minimal listening here today, but I pray we do more as we move on. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.